0: Just go to Indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: It's the True Faith Podcast. It's part two of the Keith Gillespie years, I guess we we call it. Um, bit of a delay in getting the second one out due to technical issues last week but we're here and we're happy and we're ready to roll and um we ended the last podcast part one on Keith just signing for Newcastle obviously Andy Cole going the other way. Obviously delighted to be joined by Keith and Mark Corby again. Gents pleasure to talk with you as ever.
2: Hi yeah, you doing I'm, all good
1: all good so Keith um as I say ninety four ninety five you signed for Newcastle. Um just be interested to get your thoughts really on the on the few months of that season that you were at, uh, at St. James's, you know, how how it was, what it was like settling into the North your teammates, who you got on with, um, who you didn't, if that happened, I'm sure it didn't. Um, and I guess, for me, a, a big thing would be the, the kind of immediate differences you notice between the training round at Man U and at Newcastle, you know, between Kevin Keegan and Sir Alex Ferguson, because that the two huge characters, but so different in so many ways.
2: Yeah. Um, I, I mean, in terms in terms of the training facilities um, and, and training, you know, Kevin was, was incredible in terms of the training that he did because it was all stuff that you knew you just liked short and sharp stuff, five asides. Um, he joined in at times and, you know, it was just, uh, it was great, you know, that I'd come to the club and, and now I was a, a sort of regular first team sort of squad member, whereas at Man, Man United I was, you know, Pretty much a bit part. Um, I suppose a bit like what people called me in the deal. You know, Andy Cole obviously this unbelievable striker, and I was the bit part of of, of that deal. But um, no, I, I settled in. I settled in really quickly. Um, I remember actually signing, and and the next game uh, I signed on the Wednesday, tenth of January, and the fo- it was the following Sunday, the next game just so happened to be it was Man United at St James's, and um, myself and Andy Cole could. You know, it was agreed that we weren't playing in the game. So, I remember um, on the Saturday um, going going on my first night out in the in the Keyside, and after that night, I thought, "My goodness, I must have made the best decision of my life signing for this club." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I ended up in the I ended up in the boat uh, back then. But um, yep, and then uh, we, we we drew the game one each, um, and then on the Wednesday night, it was the it was the replay of the. Um, the FA Cup against Blackburn, um, when when we won two one, Mark Hottager scored. But I, w- I wasn't able to to play in that one. Although I wasn't cup tied. Not sure of the reason why I wasn't able to play. So I had to wait another few days to make my debut at Sheffield Wednesday. And I came off the bench at half time and and had a really good second half. And and then my, my home my home debut against uh, Wimbledon, which we won two one just. You know, it was, was a great occasion for me. My family were flown over and everything to watch the game. So it was fantastic. And although, I, I, I you know, Newcastle were pretty much in the top three, top four for most of the season, I think we finished sixth or seventh, maybe sixth. Yeah. Um, But, you know, I think we we lost Andy Cole. Um, I know I obviously commend, but we lost the goals of Andy Cole. Um, you know, and Kevin Keegan had the long-term plan, obviously, that he was going out in the summer to to get a big name striker and you know we all know that he did that but you know it was it was great you know settling in the boys were great with me um you know i'm i'm a, I'm a young lad i'm sort of 19 years of age when i signed and you know so, certainly a lot of the younger ones um you know would have socialized with them then you know alexa clarky and and steve watson and robbie and steve High, people like that so you know it was um it was great in, in terms of, you know, you come into a strange place and you obviously need to settle in as quickly as possible. And, you know, the club were fantastic in doing that. And, and as, as well as sort of when I signed, I had no driving lessons or nothing. And the first thing the club did was, was put me through my driving test. And, uh, I remember actually passing, um, uh, a driving test about a month later. And then, uh, I think I passed on the on the Thursday and on the Sunday. Uh, I scored my first goals uh, in the FA Cup against Man City at home. Yeah. So it was uh, it was a great few days. But you know, I, I I knew I I knew straight away that I'd made the right decision in to coming to Newcastle. Um. You know, there was no there was no doubt in my mind whatsoever that I was making the right decision. And you know, and uh, I just wish probably I I could have had a little bit more than four years. But I suppose I should be thankful that. You know, I got four years out of it.
1: And, for, and I mean, out, out of the four years, he got two two of the best in, in recent history, and, and at least and obviously the, the Barcelona game, which we'll go into later on. But um, it's interesting you mentioned that 94 95 season, when way Newcastle finished and the long term plans that Keegan had. And I'd like to bring Mark in. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That season, for me, it felt like a bit of a disappointment at the end. And I know, and, and that, and I know, I think Mark, you feel the same. And I think, much like you, it was the first kind of real disappointment I felt because we've been terrible since I'd started supporting the club in the, in the mid '80s. Yeah. Uh, other than the revival under Keegan, and Keegan was the one who kind of raised the bar and raised the expectations. And I remember it being the first time where I felt like we hadn't actually met my expectations because prior to Keegan, the expectations were very low. Keegan comes in, the expectations gradually get higher and higher, and then this finishing of sixth, not getting into Europe. It actually felt like a disappointment, which was a very strange feeling. Um, I don't know how your feelings were Mark and, and after you've answered, Keith, it'd be interesting to yeah. to get your take on and how it was around the club, whether or not there was a sense of disappointment. or it was actually a case of we're well looking forward.
3: Well, yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, I, I, there was a there was a change in the support as well. I, I genuinely thought like you've you hit the nail on the head there, but I think collectively the support were disappointed. The disappointment because the expectation was there. The year before that, getting into here, it was such a, you know, it was a, a massive, you know, unexpectation, wasn't it? The promotion, um, that was out of the blue, considering that the year before that we, uh, we went to the third division. So you're right in what you're seeing, because the expectations were there. The previous summer, obviously, we, we bought uh, Albert and Hottega, who were great players. We, we were, you know, branching out. We were going abroad. Um, I think it was because what got us to such a brilliant start Everyone and anyone in front of us, but there was two two key key issues really, wasn't there? The, the, the injury to Andy Cole and the injury to Scott Sellers uh, That that unbalanced the side, and then you, when you look at the stats, you know we won one in ten games from then before Keith uh, made his debut, and um, you know so, so as I said alluded little on the last uh, podcast, Keegan had to change something. He, he had to do it, and unfortunately, it was it was a sale of Andy Cole, but. If Keegan had a turn around, well, what he did, he stood on the steps, didn't he? And he, and he said, uh, just trust us, you know, let me let me make the decisions and just try and stand by me. If I get it wrong, i get it wrong. I just wish he had a turn around that day and says, do you worry, lads. we we're going to get less for in the summer? Then everyone would just go, like, ah, okay, let's just crack on, you know. But unfortunately for um, for Paul Pitson, he, he was immediately seen as a replacement. He was never going to be a replacement. He wasn't that type of, you know, go poacher child, and Nicole was. Um, but just to sort of, Look at the impact that um, that Keith made. Don't forget we, we won eight home games off the belt. Um but once Keith, uh, Keith made his debut against Wimbledon. Um, we reached the um, the end up reaching the quarter final of the Cup, uh, the FA Cup and obviously went out disappointingly. I was down there that day. I mean we are talking about seven or eight thousand that to the to some part that day and, uh, it was just such a shame we just it didn't, didn't turn up on the day. Um, yeah, but don't, don't forget, gents, Everton beat Man United in the cup final. If Man United had won that, we would have qualified for Europe. That's right. So you know we, we could have got through the back door. Um, but I think I think overall, Norman, um, um, the UA form let was down horrifically that season. Um, we won the first five, and then we won only one of the following sixteen. So you look at from that point of view, I think we're only two or three points away from uh, Leeds who, who picked up for the fifth place, and, and ironically, beat with the only team to beat us at St James's that season as well. So it, it's one of those you look back and you pull apart, I'll just pull apart the, the negative sides there and what went wrong, but ultimately, Keegan was still building, wasn't he? And I think when we when we realised the colour of players that were potentially going to be coming in, um, the faith was back in
1: there. Absolutely. Well, that, that kind of moves me on to that summer, 95-96. Uh, obviously, Keith, you've been in the air, you know, you've been at the club for four months and you score, I think, don't you, in the last game against Crystal Palace in the ninety four ninety five 95 season and 3-2 win. Am I wrong there? Did you yep. score in that no, game? I did, You yeah. did, didn't you? You did. And um, I guess, you know, that, that was finishing the season on a positive note. And also, um, I suppose... You go, you know, you go out you go away for pre-season, you come back pre-season training, and I guess the signings start start coming in. Um and I don't know how that that felt for you when you saw the likes of, you know, Barton, who was a, an England International by this point coming from Wimbledon, and Les Ferdinand, Shaka Hislop, who was very highly rated coming in from Redden. Um, and obviously David Ginola. I don't know what the feeling was around the round the lads when, you know, when these players came in and, and just how you felt personally and, and how the season ahead um, played out in your mind you know what you what you thought the squad was capable of
2: Yeah I, I mean you mentioned the last game of the season there and where we beat Crystal Palace 3-2 and you know we went 3-0 up in no time but you know the way we finished the game you know we let them back end it and they scored two goals and, and Kevin Keegan you, you know had a real go at us after, after the game you know and you sort of knew right you need to come back you know all guns all guns blazing and uh, for the new season and it, and then you come come back, and obviously we start to make the signings, and then, you know the four that you mentioned coming in. Um, I think for me, I wanted because uh, we still Real Fox was still at the club, so you know it it was easy enough for that last sort of five months of of the previous season because you know Foxy sort of moved to left wing, but obviously with Janola coming in, I, you know I knew that I would be in direct competition with with Foxy, so I had to make sure that I. Uh, I was going to nail down that that place, and I had a really good uh, I had a really good preseason, so I did, which you know is important. Um, and 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 I got the nod for the first game of the season. But you know, I, I think Kevin obviously had had made the decision in January when he sold on the call that you know we'll get through the rest of the season, but next season we're going all out and we're going to challenge and try and win the league, and that is exactly what happened. And you know, the the players coming in you know fantastic signings you know, warren barton was was a great signing for me because warren warren would just feed you the ball all day and he was a he was an attacking fullback as well you know if i sort of went inside and you knew that he he would go on the outside and you could sort of play him in and you know he created plenty of goals as well so he was he was fantastic uh i room with david ginola um how that came about i don't know we uh <laughs> I think we play we played up at uh, Parkhead um that season and pre um in a friendly um and I arrived there and, and and we were just put together and that was it. So I ran with him for a couple of years. So I got to know him and then obviously you know Shaka's a great keeper as well. You know, great competition for places with with you know Pav who who was absolutely brilliant as well. So um you know, but obviously, I think the big one was obviously Les getting that replacement for Andy Cole, and you know, just straight away, you know, a big target man, great for wingers who want to get balls in the box, and and that's exactly what we wanted to do. And I suppose it was great for the fans because that's the type of football that I think a lot of people grew up watching. You know, wingers getting down the line, getting crosses in, and and, and center forwards getting on the end of it. It's something we probably don't see very much of now, but. You know, it's it, it was great for me and me and David having you know a target man like Les in there who who was as good as anybody, Uh yeah, probably the best I've ever played with in terms of someone in the air as a striker, uh, because he, he wasn't he wasn't you know six foot two, six foot three, you know, just barely six foot maybe, uh, but the leap he had um, and the goals he scored uh, were just incredible. So, yeah, it was uh, you know we, we we obviously started the season well and. You know, I think everybody everybody obviously knows what happened in the end, but it was just an incredible season to sort of even look back on now and and you know even talk about because it it, it brings smiles to the many fans' faces because of the sort of you know the hard times that the clubs had since.
3: I think um, regarding the preseason, Norman. I think there was that many players we were linked with, and if I remember rightly, because we didn't really know that Keegan definitely wanted to go for uh, Ferdinand. It seems as if every major English striker we were linked with. I mean, I would have been happy with Stan Collymore because he was just top draw, not to point right, mm-hmm. that uh, mm-hmm. that previous season. And you also had Chris Armstrong, who was part of that Palace team the Jordy, and uh, he was linked. Um, but you know, when you look at it, when you look back now, we definitely got the right one, didn't we? And um, you know, we'll, we'll talk obviously in detail about the season coming up. But it's it's funny because I just had a quick glance at a couple of little um, this all all sort of collectors' newspapers I've got and. Uh, it's funny the players that we were linked with. Keith. I I wonder whether any of these ring a bell. But we, apparently we were linked with uh, Trevor Sinclair. Um, mm. We were linked with Mark Draper, who ended up going to Aston Villa. I think at that point. Yeah. Uh, obviously Warren, yeah. Martin, Warren Barton, Warren come in. And um, I also remember the John Salako uh, escapade, where right. they, where Keegan wanted Salako that much. Uh, apparently he um, he tried to nudge John Hall to let the, the field medical go through. Um, mm-hmm. Which apparently did for Paul Bracewell and John Beresford a couple of years earlier. And <laughs> uh, in John Hall studies grounds is no chance. We're not. We're not. We're not letting that go through on this sort of money. So reading Keegan's book, he sort of hints to the fact that Janola was his second choice. Which no disrespect to John Salako, but um, I, I'm pretty pleased that we got Janola instead of him.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, ab- absolutely. Um, I I mean, Janola was was very unknown you know to to many people, but you know the impact that he had you know was was absolutely incredible um you know i'm pretty I'm pretty glad we didn't sign Trevor Sinclair as well because that might have meant that I might not have played um so but i suppose, I suppose you i mean you don't know in, in terms of newspapers you know how how much to believe um you know because I'd obviously just been at the club sort of five months um you know foxy wasn't at the at the at the club that long either, maybe just over a year and a half maybe. So right. we were sort of we were sort of relatively new, you know, for, for that position. So um you just never know in terms of you know what's written about who's who uh, what what the sort of truth is and who we're interested in. But yep certainly um you know we got the we got the right two there in, in Ferdinand and um and David Um, you know, because they uh, especially you know Les that season obviously PFA yeah, player of the year and, and I think David was third Um, so that sort of goes to show that we made the right decision that season
3: you just No doubt A quick one uh, sorry Norm just a quick one Keith um, when you were at Man United you had um, the likes of Lee Sharp and Ince and Giggs and all that doing these let's just say <sighs> exaggerated goal celebrations but yeah. When you come to Newcastle, we, we found out straight away your goal celebration it reminds me of Supermac. Supermac used to just put two arms in the air and run. And it, <laughs> was that something you planned with, or just just? <laughs> <not like?
2: laughs> De- definitely not. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think if you see, I didn't score that many goals over the years, but. Uh, it's sort of just off the cuff, you know. You're sort of just delighted to actually score, you know. It's it's a bit different to, to somebody who's a sort of natural goal scorer, and, and you know, Alan runs away with the arm in the air, or whatever. Yeah. You know, that's just his sort of trademark. But certainly, I had nothing planned, <laughs> whatsoever, whatsoever.
1: That's a that's a really that's a really good question because it's got me thinking. Now, you know, you say that obviously you didn't score that many goals across the course of your career. Um, so, everyone that you scored, there was this kind of this Visceral reaction almost as opposed to a kind of calculated celebration, yeah. And it got me thinking that when I played like football, like even as a kid, and because I really scored goals when I did, I'd feel a bit dizzy and sick afterwards. Now, obviously, you're a professional footballer, <laughs> but scoring goals in certain situations when you ran off, did you like for well, the you know, the match kicks off again within like two minutes of you scoring, let's say within a minute,
2: uh-huh.
1: your emotions at that precise moment in time, like do you? Because you're professional, because you've been training for years, do you automatically switch back into, okay, the game's on? Or is there a little bit of you that is still a little bit buzzing after you've scored a goal and you've kind of got to almost have a word with yourself to calm down?
2: I know. I mean, you're still buzzing, without a doubt. And, you know, especially, you know, you've got your family there watching you and you're thinking, oh, great that I've scored. The family's over, you know, to watch the game and great the score in front of them. And even if they're not there, you know, you're, you're standing waiting for the kickoff and it'll be going through your head and you'll be thinking, oh, you know, I'm looking forward to ringing home tonight and, and telling them about the goal and stuff <laughs> like that. Here, you know, so as I say, I didn't score that many, so it, that's obviously didn't enter my thoughts too much. Uh, but yeah, you, I mean, you the the feeling that you get when you score is just, you know, it's indescribable. Um, you know, especially up there at, at James's Park in front of that fans when they're just to, just the. The feeling and the roar when that ball hits the back and that is just second to none. It, it it honestly is. There's there's nothing comes close to it.
1: Someone, um, I think it, was, it might have been Gary Linga said it was better than sex. But obviously, you know, I mean, you've got to wonder where he's been, where he's been going all of his life. Well, uh, well, not we'll we'll not linger, we'll not linger on that particular comment. But uh, <laughs> obviously, uh, it must be quite a good feeling. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'd be interested. You know, what I'd be interested to get is your, your opinions on on a couple of personalities um, in in the dressing room, because you, you know, yourself, you were a kid, weren't you? You were nineteen twenty yeah. and you've got people like Les Ferdinand coming in, and David Ginola, and these are, these are big, per- I mean, look, I can only compare to how I felt when I saw them, you know, you see Les Ferdinand and you said, you know, he was less than six foot, he was, he was only 5'11", um, which for somebody who could head the ball as well as him, and who had that leap was incredible, yeah. but he had this aura and this presence for me as a fan, he just looked like there was, Something otherworldly about him as did you know. I've had this kind of presence, and I don't know if for you, as a as a young lad, when these kind of personalities stepped into the dressing room, is there a or was there a kind of moment of Jesus Christ? You know what I mean?
2: Oh, here with without a shadow of a doubt. You know, the two of them were, you know, they are big characters, um, and and they do, you know, possess that sort of aura when they walk into a room, and, and you know, you you respect them, you, you know. As I say, we didn't really know too much about Davi, but you know, we certainly got to know him pretty quickly. And just just seeing him in his first training session and stuff, you know, just you know, blew us away. Um, but yeah, they're, they're huge characters, and you know, you sort of, you know, me being, I, I mean, I was out of that that squad. I was, you know, the youngest player um, in that squad. So you know, you sort of look up the players, and you know, especially people like Peter Beardsley. Um, who was absolutely fantastic with me and, you know, always full of encouragement, which, which was incredible. Um, you know, on the pitch, you, you know, he always encourage and you never, ever shouting at you. And, you know, I, I, I don't know how he did it because, I, you know, as I got older, I, I got worse on the pitch and shouting at people, but, you know, it's sort of more out of frustration, but Peter was just always trying to, trying to, you know, motivate you. Um, you know, so yeah, we, we, we had a lot of sort of big characters in, in, in the dressing room. Um, you know, some you know you look back at that sort of team and the squad, and the, you know the individuals. You're know, fantastic, fantastic people. Um, and the thing about it was, we were very, very close all together from the very start. Um, and it's, I don't know, you've probably seen the picture of us all sitting at Unos from many, many years ago, and it yeah. keeps pop, it keeps popping up quite regularly. And at, at times, and I seen it again last week, and it was something Les was talking about it that you know this happened because. Les was going out that evening with Warren because they were in the hotel together. And before you knew it, the whole squad of us were out, mm-hmm. you know, and it was only meant to be them two in the first place. And that's how you sort of, you know, as soon as somebody got wind of somebody going for a night out, everyone wanted to go and, and, and bond in that way. And, you know, it was, uh, it was incredible how we, how we were able to do that. And, you know, we, 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 done it as I probably spoke about in the last podcast that we'd done. We'd done that maybe once every three weeks. Um, and as I say, it was it was everyone went, and it, you know it's it was great for you know getting us all together and and, and just having a laugh together. And you know it, as the season you was know, getting on, and, you know we're we're obviously top of the league for for the majority of the season. But you know there is certain times where you need to sort of just get out together for a drink or a bite to eat, and mm-hmm. and just try and get away from football because you, you know yourself what it's like in Newcastle, and you know it's like a goldfish bowl, and you know when you're top of the league, it's it's magnified even more so you know we had to sort of you know do that where we wanted to sort of just get out and get together and, and, and try and forget football for for just one evening
1: 100 percent um it's interesting i mean obviously what you got up to when you were out that probably couldn't happen anymore because someone would have it would be recorded by at least three thousand mobile phones oh, and gosh, you'll yeah. be plastered at all over over social media so you probably would have been better behaved if you were a professional now, but it yeah. wouldn't have been half as much fun, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, the you said you looked up at the Jonoal there, which is interesting. Did you at any point start putting your cigarette packet up your t-shirt sleeve like he did? Because I saw him in Newcastle and he had a pack of Marlboros up his t-shirt sleeve. I just wondered if that ever rubbed off on you.
2: Yeah, no, he uh, he used to smoke these. Uh, there were cigarettes called Philippe Morris and I think they were like a Marbur sort of brand. Marbell they were made by Marlboro. But, you know, as soon as as soon as I shared a room with him, you know, the the smoking started and I, I you know, I used to used to walk into the room and it was just a cloud of smoke, you know, could see him <laughs> at, the, at the far end of it and I, you know, I used to sort of wind up at times with, the, you know, the exaggerated cough that I couldn't breathe <laughs> at times but, um, no, I didn't mind it, you know, I'm, I'm not going to tell him not not the smoke, he was over by the window but, you know, smoking out the window but uh, it wasn't that, you know, the smoke obviously still gets into the room but, um, you know, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to sort of argue with him about it but you know he was he was great in terms of being a roommate because um you know we we got on we got on great you know we never had a we never had a crossword ever um it was strange you know you know six months earlier i'm at man united i'm a sort of round the squad and now here i am an an irishman and a frenchman rooming together Mm -hmm. um you know, was a strange sort of combination, and the boys would even say that, is, you know, that is the weirdest combination. You two rooming together, but as I say, we uh, we get on great together, uh, which is is important. And obviously, because we we're, we're players who like to get to the byline and like to get crosses in, you know, we uh, we were able to talk about stuff like that as well. So, um, yeah, you know, he was a, he was a great character and, and somebody I you know I thoroughly enjoyed rooming with.
3: Peter, I mentioned this uh, in a podcast a couple of months ago now The impact that you had As well as David at the start of that season um, I'll just repeat it mate cause I, I like blowing smoke with your arse Because you were a canny kid um, First 14 appearances of that season Nine assists You won one penalty You scored three goals Absolutely fantastic yeah. But also mate You won two Man of the Match awards For, for the Evening Chronicle so that's that's right. good because uh, <laughs> Alan Oliver was hard to please. But just a quick one, mate. This has amused me. Um Bristol City away in the League Cup. Yeah. five 0. You were just heading short as a best player on the pitch, and you, and you you won man of the match. But someone tells me that yeah, your man of the match prize was a mountain bike. What's that all about?
2: <laughs> can you remember? It was. I can. It was a Coca Cola, a Coca Cola mountain bike, and. I I ended up uh, giving it to Arthur Cox. <laughs> um, I give he he wanted the he wanted the bike and I said, well, I'm not going to use it. You can have it. So yeah, it was uh, it was a mountain bike. And I, you know, it was strange, you know, Coca Cola because the next year, or maybe the year after, we, we played down at Derby in the Coca Cola Cup and uh, we beat them down there and I got man of the match and uh, I got a man of the match sort of or it was a CD player, but it was in the shape of a, of a football. So I did. And uh, I ended up giving, (laughs) I ended up giving that away to somebody. Um, Whatever happened to the old bottle of champagne? I'd I'd rather, I'd rather had that rather than, than those two. But um, yep, Arthur got the, uh, the, um, the bike. So he did. And yep, I remember the game. We we beat them five nil. And that was at a time when, you know, it was two legs because they had to come, they had to come back to St. James's and I played in, I played in the home game as well. Uh, which which was great because um you know, you're five nil up and you know, in this day and age there's not many sort of you know, regular first teamers would start games like that then. Whereas, you know, I, I wanted to play every game. Um, you know, and he would have made a few changes, but I was one of the sort of lucky ones that that got, you know, picked a start. I remember we were one 0 down at half time and Kevin went mad with us and uh you know, we went out and rectified it in the second half and won 3-1. But I think it was great for clubs back then because, it, you know, for Bristol City, although you know they were five 0 down, it was great for them to come to, you know, a a Premiership ground, you know, as good as St James's Park was. You know, so you know you sort of miss that for younger or for the lower clubs where they don't get that chance. You know, to play two legged ga- games and and. You know, get to your old Trafford's and your St James' and your Anfields and stuff like that. But yep, I remember. Uh, I remember the game very well. Um, it was one of my one of the games where I did actually score. Um, mm-hmm. I, I went. Uh, I think our, I think it was Peter Beards, he set me up. Um, so yep, it was. Uh, yeah, it was a good night because, um, as I say, I don't. Uh, I don't score very often, and you don't win many games away five nil either. Um, <laughs> you know, so it was. Uh, it was a good night where Kevin put strongest side out and you know that's what it's all about. You want to go out and win every game, so you want to play your strongest side.
1: Oh god, happy memories, mate. Um <laughs> talking about performances, I mean we when you are nearly on half an hour we haven't even spoken about um really the kind of league campaign 95-96. Now I guess you know everyone everyone listening who was there will know the story. Anyone who wasn't there but as a Newcastle fan would have heard the story from friends or family. Um so we're we'll not going into it in kind of you know finite detail but it would be interesting to know performances I guess that stood out for you when I'm talking I suppose both positively and negatively positively in the sense that you know you you felt you were playing well within yourself and how and how you felt collectively at that time because I look at those results and I look at the start of that season I think you lads must have just felt absolutely unbeatable but then to kind of contrast that with when obviously Man United started breathing down the necks and whether or not that started any kind of doubts around the ground it'd be be great to get your thoughts in. obviously mark will have i'm sure lots to dive in with mark so you just freestyle it mate you know what i mean <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah um i think in, in the early part of the season a couple of the games that stood out for me um you know home games especially would have been uh man city at home uh where we won 3-1 but uh, it was just all out attack, and uh, you know we had some ridiculous, like thirty-four goal attempts or something like that. And you know it could have really been seven eight that day. And the, and then the other one that that you know I remember was um, Wimbledon, uh, the sixth one, when uh, Vinnie Jones ended the game yeah, in, in goals. You know, and again, you know we could have had double figures. You know, it was just an absolute onslaught. Um, and I think I might have. Maybe provided three assists in that game, you know, which you know doesn't happen very often when you get three in the, in the one game. And Les got a hat trick as well. Um, you know, it was uh, it was just an incredible time. You know, we, you had early early season games. You know, everyone will remember Sheffield Wednesday away, Janola's you know, first goal. Um, even even Burnley away on in our second league game where we were one 0 up and we're sort of cruising, and then they equalized, and then. Um, Last quarter, I sorry, uh, I put a cross in for for Rob Lee to make it two uh, one, and then last quarter, you know, a great goal at, at, at the end to make it three one right in front of the fans, and you know, it was just a, we just we went out there with so much confidence. You know, go, going away to Goodison to Park earlier in the season, and we just you know, it was just easy for us. We beat them three one as well, and you know, everything was 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 pretty simple for us. And you know, when when you've when you're going out with so much confidence as, as an individual you you, you can understand what's like but when you've every player is full of confidence and playing at the top of their game it's just an absolute dream to be involved in um and i know we didn't win the league last that that season uh, but for me it was it was still an achievement and in, in, in how we how we played the game and how we, how everybody, the whole country got behind us. We were everyone's second favorite team. And, and that was, that was just because of the style of football that we played. where We were entertaining to watch and, you know, Man United, you know, fair play, and they've come with an unbelievable run. But, you know, for for me, the league table doesn't lie. But for me, without a doubt, it did that season uh, because the way we played football, you know, we'd have been worthy champions. And it's a one big regret that, that, every one of us from that um, from that squad has that we didn't manage to go over the line because, you know, we we were there for so long at the top and, you know, we just started losing it towards the end and, you know, man, yeah, we were able to ca- catch us. But again, you know, you talk to Newcastle fans and, and they look back on that season with... The utmost pride, because of the way that Kevin had us playing, and Kevin was devastated after the end of the season didn't even want to come out and do the the lap of honor and honestly, the lap of honor after the last game you you would you have swore we won the league, yeah, you know that's how the fans were, and I remember even going out that night and down the big market, and the place was just jumping you know and they were just, they were just everyone the 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 fans a looked disappointed that we that we didn't get over the line. I think they were just proud of, of, of the way that we'd gone about the season and, and the way that we'd entertained them.
3: I think um, that Man City game, I've had a quick glance at the uh, the team sheet. This this must have summed up Kevin Keegan. And, and, and you you lads must have just went along with it, obviously, because he took off Beresford and um, Barton and he brought on Sellers and Fox. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who, who, who went full back or you just put two at the back and everyone else just go and fill your boots you know it's, it's, I, I, uh-huh.
2: I know I can't, even, I can't even remember who would have gone full back but yeah that was Kevin for you just all out you know playing at the top of the game we, we, we knew that going forward we were unstoppable at times yeah. so you know you want to get as many forward thinking players on the pitch as possible
3: before we get the, um, the sort of the back end of the season where it's sort of uh well you know let us be honest it, it, the failure of it really um we, we've touched on, we've touched on this before keith um Kevin Keegan's glowing praise of you um after the away game at Tottenham um just talk us through that mate because it's it's definitely worth listening um, when when he was he was talking the about your good self
2: yeah you know we we obviously I obviously mentioned this before in the other podcasts about the, in terms of gambling and you know i I just lost the forty seven thousand on the Friday. I lost another fifteen thousand on the Saturday. Went, went travelling down to play at the game on the Sunday, at um, at White Hart Lane, and um, we'd won we'd won the previous game during the week against uh, Stoke in the in the cup four 0 and um, you know we're again we were playing great football. We were you know absolutely buzzing. Uh, I think Les had, had just scored his eighth in his eighth game in a row against Stoke. So um, the game against um, Tottenham, you know. Had, I had a really good first half not as good as second half but you know I still I still done well um, and we ended up we drew the game 1-8 you know Les had a great chance towards the end and I remember Ian Walker come out and saved it but um, I remember Les apologising afterwards you know that he, you know he hadn't got the winner for us and you're sort of just thinking come on Les flip me you've You've scored a buck a load of goals this season. You don't need to apologise for for anything. But um yeah, travelling back on the coach and sitting at the back. You know, I happened to be sitting beside Peter and uh, you know, I had my back we were travelling backwards, but Peter was in me inside and and Kevin came to the back of the bus. And you know, we'd had a few beers. Kevin was great that way, you know, in terms of you got so many long journeys, especially down to London. So we're travelling back on a Sunday night and and Kevin uh Kevin came and he, he just sat opposite us and you know, bit of chat and that, um and then all of a sudden he, he just pointed at me, just just completely out of the blue and and said to Peter um he could just be the best player in the country at this time. Um and th- this was sort of the end of October time, so we were sort of August, September, three months into the season. And uh Peter Bird no, Peter Beardsy said um I wouldn't disagree. And uh, you know, that that's just something that I will never ever forget for for as long as I live, you know, somebody like Kevin Keegan um, saying something like that, um, you know, to me. And you know, I, I knew I knew I was having a good season, but I, I wasn't thinking any any way, you know, the way Kevin Keegan was. But for him to say that is just, you know, the incredible incredible for for somebody of the player that he was, to to say something like that. And especially, you know, the amount of sort of players that we had on our side alone, never mind the rest of the Premiership, you know, for him to have me, you know, as the best player in the country at that time.
3: Superb, superb. You, you mentioned the gambling Um Now, I remember um the season review um, and Kevin Keegan spoke about it. And, it, and it was it was briefly mentioned. I don't know whether you've ever seen it, but it's briefly mentioned that you had a fantastic season, um, despite the, the gambling issues. But he sort of touched on the fact that the um, the club the club helped you with that. So a, a couple little a couple little queries, really. If you don't if you don't mind, um, yeah. When did you when did it really start getting a hold? And do you really think the club did help you as much as they possibly could have? Um, You know, and can you not fault them in that way, or do you think you were left left alone for a a bit too much?
2: Yeah, well, I I think you know. Obviously, when I moved to Newcastle, you know, it it got you know out of hand more and more um, by the day because you know, going to a strange city for five months, six months in in the Gossip Park Hotel, you know, it's it's very difficult to fill in your afternoons in a strange city, and you're nineteen years of age, so. You know, I had been gambling before that, but now, you know, wages have increased and now I'm in the the bookies, uh, you know, all afternoon and, you know, uh, you're putting on more and more on on the horses. So, you know, that's how it sort of really got out of control. But, um, you know, losing, you know, the 47,000 one day, 15 grand, the next 62 grand. I I, I didn't have 62 grand. You know, I had, you are signing on fees due to me and and, and what have you. So when it did become, um, you know, public, you know the club, Kevin. Kevin rang me, and uh, you know we knew it was going in the newspapers. And and Kevin rang me, and and I went down to his house. I uh, had had dinner down there with him and his family. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we spoke. We spoke about it, and he spoke to the bookie, and uh, you know we arranged payments to get to him. The club forward me, advanced me money that that I was going to be due with signing on fees. So the club were fantastic that way. But that was it. You know there was nothing else said about it. Um, and I think that's just the way it was then you know nowadays, I think there is more help for people out there um mm-hmm. if if that sort of thing becomes apparent um and i don't I don't blame the club in any way um you know kevin keegan was was incredible with me with the whole situation um and 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 really resolved it uh but you know there was uh there was a part of me you know stopped for a while, but I always saw in New York I'd go back to you know, a bet here and there. Um you know, because it was sort of public knowledge, uh you know, I wasn't out and about and I, and and you know, I've you know, it's like in, in Newcastle with a Newcastle player. If I if I walk in if I was to walk into bookies, you know, it's round the whole your know, city in no time, you know, because of you know it being front page headlines in in the papers. So yep, um you yeah, know the club uh the club were great with uh Kevin especially, um with with how he de- dealt with it, but you know, as I say, it's a bit different to, to nowadays where I think there is a lot more help and help there for people who, who do go down that same road.
1: Undoubtedly, undoubtedly. I think I think that's one thing that has changed dramatically dramatically and positively in football over the last sort of twenty years. Um, is that if a player has an addiction issue, which gambling is an addiction, drinking drugs, whatever, they they do have um places they can turn to within the clubs and also I think it's less of a taboo now you know if a player 20-25 years ago is you know I use a quotes here caught with a gambling addiction or a drinking addiction they were vilified in the press for it whereas now even though the press are still nasty I think football fans in general there's a lot more sympathy around it and, and players do get do yeah. get a better treatment at least at the higher level I mean at the lower level who knows what, what it's like but it, yeah. I think you know, you were 1920 at the time. I think if you'd been 19, 20 now and having the same Problems. Let's call them issues, yeah. then you, you would have had somewhere to turn to immediately. And I think, you know, the knock-on effect of that might have been that when you were 30, you wouldn't have still had the same issues, if you know what I mean.
2: Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, even, even now, you know, when we're talking about sort of mental health and, you know, mental health. If somebody came in addressed room twenty years ago and mental health was, you know, they're mm-hmm. sort of talk, talking about suffering from mental health, it would sort of maybe be seen as as a weakness. And now mm-hmm. nowadays, it's it's seen as a brave thing to do. You know, to come out and talk about your problems. And you know, it's it's just the way that the world changes. Um, you know, it's fantastic that we have that sort of awareness now. You know for these type of, of addictions, mental health or gambling issues or drug, drink, whatever it is, it's great that we have that. And, and that's just the way the world sort of evolves where, you know, 20 years ago, we didn't have it, you know, 20 years previous to that, there was, there was other issues that, you know, you sort of look at George Best, if he had had the, the help that, that players, you know, got, you know, it, it could have been a different story for him. So, you know, it's just the sort of way that, 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 things evolve and, and the game changes in terms of getting the, the right help and people in the right state of mind to go out and play football.
3: Fantastic. I mean, going back to the football, Keith, I mean, as you say, you were you, were, you were having a fantastic season. Absolutely fantastic. And you could say it was the first sort of, well, not really a title decider, but we went up against uh, your old club, Man United, on, um, I think was it was just after Christmas, 27th December, yeah. I think. Um,
2: yeah.
3: And I'm, I'm thinking that the pitch was, possibly slightly frozen. It was yeah. frosty, yeah. And, um, you know, things went a little bit bad for you, didn't they? Because um, your old teammate. um I mean, I've I watched it back and I, st- I still think there was intent there. What, what's your <laughs> thoughts on that, from Phil Neville?
2: <laughs> yeah, um, I can may well have been, you know, it, it's just the way things are in football. You know, I, 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 I had no problem with Phil whatsoever. I got on really well with Phil. Uh, but mm-hmm. it was a case of just the way that I sort of, my, my leg open one way and, and and my groin sort of opened the other way. Sort of it was an injury then that you know the uh, the physio had never seen before. I remember you wanted to take pictures, you know, to do a lot of research on this. And the bruise I had was from my hip down to my knee. Um, you know, when all the bruising came out, um, and it was, you know, my adductor muscles just totally, you know, torn it. Um, which was a a real strange one to to happen, but that was me off in a stretcher, maybe after fifteen minutes, and we were one we were one nil down at the time, and uh, you know we ended up losing the game two nil, and yeah we didn't we didn't deserve anything. I think Kevin came out. Kevin came out with uh, with a, with a classic quote after. I, I, I don't know if any of you remember it, but I'm I can't I can i can not actually remember it, but I, I think he. Uh, I think the word clowns was sort of mentioned in it, which maybe it was a bit harsh because I think that was sort of um, <laughs> referring to referring to us. Um, you know, something about the such and such came to town, but it was the clowns who turned up or something like that. But um, mm-hmm. you know, we we deserve nothing out of the game. Um, but you know, you're you're going to Old Trafford, and you know, Les had a really good chance, I think, to to equalise at one stage, but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, they they thoroughly deserved the victory. Um, and we knew it was going to be a difficult game before. You know, a draw we'd have taken a draw all day long going to Old Trafford, but um, yep, yeah, that was sort of, it wasn't sort of a turning point because it was just you know one game and we're, we're you know around Christmas time. There's plenty of the season you know to go, and I can't remember what the game was after that, but whether we were back to winning ways or not. Uh, but you know, I was out for sort of five and a half weeks. Um. Yeah.
3: Keith we beat um we beat Arsenal on uh, just after New Year 2-0. Um I think I think we went one one and up in the first minute so you know it was back back to type. Yes. And um, if you look we won, we won the uh, the following five games but yeah. um, you no know, normal what's your thoughts on um David know, at this point because obviously um he was sent off was not in the league cup tie and um I mean <sighs> I I would still love to see you know how they've got a hundred cameras in every angle now. I still don't know what he actually did. Did he did he elbow that uh, Lee Dixon or what?
1: Yeah, i well, what's the of it. Supposedly it was a, it was a League Cup quarter final match, wasn't it? Yeah, and um and it was I think it was televised as well. Yeah. I'm sure. yeah. it was on ATV. Yeah. Um and obviously Lee Dixon as a player was he was dirty. He was a dirty player. I mean, obviously a very very good fullback. You know, cap for England, won loads of trophies at Arsenal. Um very well spoken football pundit, one of the better ones, but on the pitch he was nasty. Mm-hmm. And obviously that I mean this was what was this a, a Bruce Riok Arsenal or was it a George Graham Arsenal at the time? Yeah. It was, um,
2: I think it might have been was it Bruce
1: Rioch? Yeah. Rioch yeah. it was it was Riach, it would have been Rioch. So you know you you going from I mean George Graham to Bruce Rioch two very similar managers and how and how the side set up and and it was clear that Dixon had just been told the to target, you know that like, and he was hoofing them all yeah. over the place, wasn't he? Yeah. And I think it worked. I mean, you have to look at it. You have to look and say, well, it worked. Ginola reacted. He got sent off. Um, Should he have been sent off? No, I don't think he should. We lost that game 2-0. And, and I think, from a fan's perspective, something kind of did switch in Ginola at that point. Um, he wasn't the same force that he had been for the rest of the season. I don't think. Um, obviously, Liverpool away, he was fantastic and scored a great goal. But um you, you could say that his form tailed off ever so slightly. I don't know if either of you would agree with that. I might be being harsh and it might be me memory-playing tricks. but. That's certainly, on reflection, my my viewpoint. Yeah, I, 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 I
2: think, Sorry, I think a lot of people would maybe sort of agree with that. That um, you know, his early season for him, he was just devastating, and you know, for six seven months, he was he was just unbelievable. Um, and John Beresford you know, spoke about this many many times. And John obviously played on the same side as him, and you know, he, I mean, there's certainly things John could say about him in terms of. He's not getting back the help at times, but in terms of going forward, you know, John just give the ball to Janelle and let him do his business. And he says it was an absolute dream at times just to be behind him and just watch him do his magic. But um, certainly, um, you know, the latter part of the season is is his form maybe wasn't as good. But um, you know, it's hard to it's hard to sort of keep that you know consistent mm-hmm. form going for a full full season. Um, you know, so it is. It is going to waver at times, but you know, it's that's the way it is. You know, you sort of, you know, you sort of bring into the the aspect of it all about winter times and you know the, the colder nights and stuff like that, and being, you know, he's he's from Saint Tropez or something, you know, in the south of France where the weather sort of sunny all year round or whatever, you know. So he's coming to a, you know a cold country, you, you know, can get really cold especially in the northeast, as as, as I know too well um, so yeah his, his form did you know dip but I I don't think you can sort of look at that and take anything away from what he achieved you know earlier in that season because yeah as I say he was just sensational
1: Without a doubt do you think um do you think that your form wasn't affected by the weather even though Bangor is Bangor's quite subtropical are here
2: <laughs> um, Yeah I didn't have that problem
1: yeah i mean we're, we've kind of we're coming up to 50 minutes and we could probably linger on the 95 96 season for at least 3 hours but um you know that's not how these podcasts work so I, so here so we'll we we'll kind of move towards the end of the season you know you mentioned the spurs game you mentioned the aftermath that the fans reaction was fantastic and i just like i suppose, to to conclude this podcast to to get your thoughts on the on the pre-season 96 97 because obviously this huge emotional drain that that happens i guess with keegan being so close to winning the title and going out and obviously you know the euros are pretty much more or less straight after the end of the season mm-hmm. um football in england just it, it almost changes overnight i think the impact of euro 96 was very similar to the impact of um gaza in the world cup 90 something it's almost like something flipped and mm-hmm. in, in the whole nation fell in love football again and alan shearer at this point is is possibly the best striker in the world um and Newcastle go and sign him and it would just be great to to get your thoughts on on how that played out in front of your eyes, this whole, you know, just the whole signing of Sharing and what it, and what it felt like
2: to you. Yep. Um yeah, we were we had a pre season to um Thailand, uh, Singapore and Japan. Um and to be fair, it, it is something that I think did affect us because um you know the the jet lag from that. You know some people who, who don't or haven't suffered jet lag before. You know I really really suffered. Um, you know going over there and, and coming back. And you know we I think it was maybe we we arrived back a week before the season started. And I just think we were we were absolutely wrecked by the time we played Everton on the first day of the season. Uh, but yep, we obviously went out and bought Alan. And you're thinking, wow. Um, uh, remember he joined up for his first training session? We were actually in Singapore at the time. Um he flew out then. Um and you're just thinking, Wow, Les Ferdinand and Alan Shearer, you know, (laughs) what more do you need? Um you know, hopefully we can uh, we can go out and try and go that one step further than the previous season. But you know, as you say, he was an absolutely incredible striker And, and to to me you're absolutely right, he he probably was the best striker in the world at that time. Um and then you just sort of, you just look at the longevity then that he that he did have at Newcastle and the, and the goals that he went out and scored absolutely you know incredible and an you know incredible sort of teammate to play alongside one that you know thrived on crosses as well um but just a, a natural finisher um so yep we were we were absolutely the squad was delighted that we'd gone out and got somebody that you know everybody wanted man United were desperate to get but we you know, we stole a mark on them. He wanted to come to Newcastle for for obvious reasons. So, yeah, we were uh, we were very optimistic then. Obviously, going into that season with you know two of the best strikers about, and yeah, you, know, you you throw into the mix there. You know, Tino would come in as well. So, you've got three incredible strikers. So, it was um, it was a season then that we were looking forward to. I
3: think just uh, quickly going back to the ninety five ninety six season. The end, if I if I may. Um as you said the Atino had come in. I mean to towards the end it was quite interesting because Keegan wasn't known for um putting a goalkeeper on the bench. Um when we were committed three three yeah. um subs. He never he never picked a goalkeeper That's until right. towards the end. And he sort of he started changing, he was going back and forth from shaka to path, then back to shaka, then back yeah. to path. You know, so it, I think there's, there's there's always a story that Keegan never really settled and never really was happy with his number one at Newcastle. But you mentioned you mentioned Tino coming in. I, you know, I'm not going to blame him for the title. I'm certainly not going to blame D- David Batty. Um, for the title, even though you I know, absolutely lovely Lee I thought he was f- fantastic and often underrated and forgotten about how good that team was. Um, you know, Robbie Elliott come in for John Beresford after his little spat with Keegan um, yeah. against Villa. You had um, Dar- Darren Peacock won Player of the Season yeah. um, for the club, even though Le- uh, Les Ferdinand won, um, I think was the Football writer or the player, Player's Player or something like that. Yeah. Um, but the the strength and depth was there, you know. And Simon Shearer for me, it was just oh wow, there's no stopping one now. Absolutely no stopping
2: him. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, he was. We, I mean, we we probably thought previous to that, you know, when you Ferdinand Beardsley Beardsley were a great. foil Peter was was incredible, you know. But we probably thought we had we had we had everybody. But then all of a sudden Alan Shearer comes in, and you think, oh, maybe we didn't. He's the He's the final part of the jigsaw to to really move us on and go and win a premiership. And you know, unfortunately, I know we came second, but we were we were never ever going to win it that season. Um, It was Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. I, I don't mean we weren't going to win it at the start of the season. We felt that we could go out and win it, but we were we never put ourselves in a in a challenging position like we did the previous season. And you know, to be fair, I think second was was as good as we could have done. Um, and and we were. Sort of quite fortunate to actually secure that at the end of the season, but that obviously gave us the Champions League football that we were looking for that we that we didn't get for coming second the previous season. Um, so Mm -hmm. you know, I think that was the least that the club deserved. You know, it'd be be an absolute tragedy. You know, the fact that the club coming to our second two years in a row never ever qualified for the Champions League. So thankfully, that rule was changed. Where although we had to go into sort of playoff game against Dinamo Zagreb, we we finally got there and you know we obviously um you know reached the grip stages i
1: am um, well 9697 i guess we'll go into into that in more depth on the uh, on the next podcast in part 3 what what we'll wrap up now but what i would like your thoughts on Keith um we can we can kind of just start the 9697 season now and obviously i remember shira signing, lifting me as a fan from the from the duel rooms after mm-hmm. You know the end of the 95-96 season, and then going to Wembley and playing Man United and thinking this we're going to make a statement, we're going to make a statement, and we got our asses handed to us. I don't know what your recollections were of that day. I know I think you were a sub yeah. that day and you came on when we were already two 0 down th- Um th- and really late on as well, right? I and think I
2: was like obviously very, I actually thought I was we were four 0 down when <laughs> I came on, but I, I could be wrong about that. But that was late.
1: I, I, I might I may, I may be wrong, but I was, I was sure you came on and they got two very late goals All to right. make it four nil. But to be honest with you, it was just a a day to forget no, exactly. anyways wasn't it regardless exactly. Um it, it, I'd be interested how you how you felt that day and, and how what the reaction was I guess afterwards because obviously Shearer's come in the squad's full of talent Man United you know, just destroyed you and you know you, you mentioned going to Everton and being tired yeah. at that particular point in time yeah. were you feeling that we're still going to be alright we're still going to have a great season or, or was it just what is going on
2: no I mean maybe it was just a, a bit of a wake up call that we needed um you know, Man United obviously had some, some fantastic players, and you know we had to we had to just sort of put that down to a bad day at the office. You know, we were never we were never in the game. We were very poor that day, and as as you said, I was on the bench, so I was a little bit miffed, you know, that I hadn't started the game. And then you know, I was quite lucky then that because I thought then that we actually ended up losing the game, obviously four 0 it gave me a chance then to, to get into the side the, the following week. Uh, for the first league game of the season which I did play but um, for the next game after that when when Alan scored the free kick against Wimbledon for his first goal um, I was back on the bench again so you know from it was a bit of a strange sort of start to the season you know on an individual basis Um, you know we we were very poor against Everton first game of the season but honestly I honestly feel as if there was a lot of sort of tiredness in that from from the pre-season exertions um and obviously, you know, because of you know, you're now we came second in the league, you know, these these countries, you know, want want to see Newcastle. They you know, they're um far east, Singapore and Thailand and and Japan, you know, they want us out there because, you know, we're we're a big fish now. Uh although we only mm-hmm. come second, you know, you've got a, a strong personality, a big, big name as manager in Kevin Keegan. And they want us out there, you know, so the club obviously, you know, wants to take us out there. But it, it certainly, um, it's, it's certainly not something that I enjoyed, um, was was going to sort of, you know, places like the Far East in pre-season because I really felt it took me too long to sort of get back to normal when, when I came back.
3: I did read, it's interesting you say that, Keith, about um, being dropped for the, the charity shield, or shall we say, unfortunately rested, because... There was a big argument in the previous season that, and um, I stand by this, that um, you should have been put through back in the team. Um, the, the balance of the side was lost when you weren't in. And, and, and we we'll have discussed this before. How Robert Lee went to uh, Kevin Keegan and said, "You know, you need to get Keith back in the team." Mm-hmm. Um, Peter Beardsley, I will never sleep Peter Beardsley because, as far as I'm concerned, he's the best football I've ever seen for Newcastle. Mm-hmm. However, it seemed to me as if Keegan was trying to find a place for him. And in that Charity Shield um, game, there was there, a story. That um he didn't initially get picked, but Keegan retracted his decision because he, he felt devastated for Peter Piaszi not being able to lead out Newcastle as captain at Wembley. Um so you know the the say there's no sentiment in football, but um obviously he did write for Peter Beazdi, but we got absolutely bad that day. And um Bezzi was out of out of um the team for a, a number of weeks, which I'm, we will obviously come back to, but yeah, uh, yeah I, th- I think I think at this point, I think the point is I don't think Keegan really knew who was going to play and and what he's you know this is my start eleven I'm going to go with this I don't think at that point he actually knew.
2: Yeah, I think you know because of his sort of closeness with with Peter Beardsley and he's he, obviously a very friendly, him, well, good relationship. Yeah, he, he he found it difficult to leave him out. Um, and and me as a as I mentioned in the previous podcast, I was the youngest. It was easy to leave me out because. You know, he knows I'm not going to come knocking on a door. I'm not an experienced senior player. Where if I feel that I, I felt that I should have been playing, I knew that because I know for a fact Kevin Keegan isn't the right sided player. Um, you know, and he's not going to do the same sort of job that I that I had been doing. Um, you know, but what a what an incredible player in the position that Peter Beardsley was best was 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 incredible. But um, yeah, I, I I felt as if I should be playing, but you know, disappointed. But I and I sort of remember the whole the whole sort of hullabaloo around that that Peter you know, we thought Peter wasn't playing and then, you know, all of a sudden he was reinstated and I, I think it was probably myself that, that that didn't play then because of that. But um, you know that's that's sort of decisions that managers have to make and tough decisions and it's even tougher when, when you have that relationship that, that Kevin and, and Peter did together to try and drop, you know, a good friend of yours. But, um, you know, managers are paid to make decisions and, you know, sentiment, you know, shouldn't really come into it.
1: That's a great point to leave it. Setting us up nicely for the 96, 97 season and possibly the 97, 98 on the next podcast. Um, Keith, what I will say is that 10 years later, you certainly banged on the door of another Kevin in quite a spectacular way. Um, I can't wait for people to hear about your relationship with Kevin Blackwell. Yep. That's, a, that's a podcast for time. Um, yep. so, gentlemen, thank you very much. Hugely enjoyable listeners. Hope you've enjoyed this. Um, please do give us feedback. And we hope you'll join us for part three, which will hopefully be out next week. Cheers.